let me go to real quick just for you those of you guys who are not familiar with hierarchy of needs can you see that starting with the psychological safety love belonging esteem and self-actualization the reason why i thought about that is because maslow teaches and i said so funny some of these theories even though they they weren't all um believers they adopted a lot of their theories from um theology <laughs> from the word of god whether they want to acknowledge god or not so very close to the word of god even the scripture that talks about uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is God's good and acceptable and perfect will. And of course, in cognitive therapy, we're talking about renewing the mind. And when you renew the mind, you change the behavior. So it's like getting into the cognition of a person, the way they think, where their thoughts are coming from. You ever been in a situation or, or listen to people? I'm passionate about healthy communication, and I'm going to be doing a series on communication and what makes communication more effective in couples and relationships on a job and family and wherever but and it starts with ourselves but i'm gonna get to that one in a minute but the communication was i'm trying to remember i lost my kind of lost my train of thought oh hierarchy of needs and jesus understanding that with miles i was saying a lot of them wasn't god fearing people but they borrowed a lot from um the word of god so psychology is very close and that scripture that i mentioned Again, dealing with the cognition, dealing with changing the way a person thinks, really getting to understand where is that thought coming from. So I was getting ready to say, find yourself in a conversation or uh, talking about your needs and your issues or just any, any kind of dialogue that you're having with a person. And you hear a person, you relate something to a person, but they got a whole different message. And you're wondering, well, how did you get that out of that? And what you have to understand is that a lot of times our perception is based on our previous experiences and sometimes negative experiences. So we hear something completely different than what you just said out of your mouth. You might have said something else, but I'm hearing a whole nother thing based on what I went through before. And the reason why I said healthy communication starts with yourself because the Bible tells us to examine our own heart. And so going into yourself and, and, and wondering and asking God, why did I receive that that way? Like, where is that coming from? What is that it? Something that happened before, giving a good example, um, you can be in a new situation, say with a new person, and if you had an abusive relationship in the past, you're still scarred from that, right? So you're in a new relationship, right? And so the new person you're with may be elevating their voice to a certain degree. Your mind goes back to the past relationship thinking that this person is going to hit you when they're really just becoming passionate and when they're speaking, but because of your past experience, you become guarded because now you're now you're getting defensive because you're getting ready to come back with something because you receive you perceive it to be something that is not. And so it's just so important to look at the matters of the heart. The Bible lets us know that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. But not only that. Out of the heart flows the issues of life, the issues, the issues, the it, the it. And so we have to pay attention to what's going on inside us. And that's one of the things I did, you know, since I was younger. Like, why do I react this way to certain individuals? Just really examining myself. And I believe you have to acknowledge these things even to bring them to the Father. That's part of strategic praying is understanding what it is. And say, okay, God, because you need to recognize. It's like going to a rehab um, facility.
uh, institutional group and acknowledging that I am an alcoholic so I can understand what is the root problem and then deal with it. The wonderful thing about being in Christ is that you don't have to continue to profess that you're an alcoholic. You can say, I'm healed with and by his stripes. And you can confess that and profess that out of your mouth. And then that will manifest. Amen. But that's our faith. But going back to Maslow hierarchy of needs, even Maslow said, before you can really help a client, you have to look, and this is the, and, and you know, I'm, I'm in social work and counselor, but it's just, it's just awesome to me how both of them are parallel to each other. Social work teaches to look at a person's environment. Look at their family structure, the family systems theory. Looking at what happened to them as a child. And of course we go into a little bit of Freudism. Freud, Freud because Freud looks at the subjective and childhood issues that might affect someone's development. So again, even dealing with the mind, the development. So if a person might have missed an important stage in their life in the, in the, in the developmental stages of childhood development, they may not be able to, they may be um, lacking in social skills, communication skills, because trauma affects us in so many ways. Even when it comes to forming healthy relationships, sometimes we can't because we had so much dysfunction in the past that when we meet someone who is whole and we're so broken, we don't know how to relate to that person because we're so dysfunctional ourselves. So it's just understanding, wow, I need to work on this. I can't have a whole healthy relationship if I'm, if I'm not whole and healthy myself. So it's just so important to understand that. Um, again, so Maslow looked at meeting someone's needs. First, you got to meet the, a, a human being's basic needs. Food, shelter, water, sex. Just saying, it's on, it's on. Sleep, homostasis, excretion. I mean, all these physiological needs. I'm always looking to see what the root issue. Yes. That's what Jesus did. And he was a person, he was, well, he's still here, but when he was in the earth, the Bible talks about he is a, a high priest who can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities, and our infirmities can be so deeply rooted, but Jesus, he, he knows that. So that's why we can go to him and say, my, and, and you don't even have to get into details with him. He already knows. He knows the tear. He know what he know how to, he can interpret your tears and your pain. That's the wonderful thing. You don't have to go into explaining. It's like the man by the pool of Bethesda. When Jesus said, are you ready to be healed? And he started going into um, complaining and making excuses. Of, Every time I try to get into the pool, somebody beats me. Then he didn't really ask them none of that. He just wanted to know I'm here now. If you want to get healed, let's do this. That's it. That's it. Because he knows already the situation. So, Maslow, again, dealing with the psychological and physiological needs first. You have to, it's like Jesus preaching on the Sermon on the Mount. The two fishes and the five loaves. People sitting there for hours. Jesus is preaching. And I'm sure he was getting deep and breaking down some wonderful things and parables. However, he understood that people were getting hungry. Families and children. So he said, okay, we got to feed the people because they're not going to listen to anything that I teach if they're hungry. You don't hear nothing but your stomach growling. Come on, somebody. And even with that, I thought about James um, 2 and 16 when it says, And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled. Ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doeth it profit? <laughs> Everything you do is not going to profit anything because people have a need and the need is not met. You can't even go to the next level. It's like with coaching and count 
counseling, if we don't deal with the it, if we don't deal with the stuff, if I don't help you understand that your symptoms is a manifestation of your trauma, your symptoms is just is just a manifestation of something that you have experienced. Excuse me, and that that gives people the light bulb goes on, and they have like, wow. So this is why I have a trust issue. This is why it's hard for me to form healthy relationships with females because I've never had a good, I'm not talking about me, but people I talk to, right? Women that I've talked to, women and teens, I trust a lot of teens, and then it helps them connect the dots and say, wow, so this is the reason why I can't form a healthy relationship because I've had broken relationships with women since I was a child. Number one, maybe start with your mother. Maybe your mother and you had a bad relationship and everything was negative and then all your, your environment, everything was negative. So you can't relate to the same sex. Forget the opposite sex. You can't even relate to the same sex. This is why a lot of teens, female teens and women, um, they attract, they're attracted more to the men, to the opposite sex. Because they're looking to fill a need and a void and they don't realize that they're attention seeking. They don't realize that these attention seeking, um, methods you can't relate you can't relate it to yourself break that down for me just trying to understand what you're saying you can't relate it to yourself but um and having that understanding there lies the beginning of their healing now we can stop working on some things now we can chip away and break everything down to multi multi-dimensional method of dealing with each issue after issue you can't relate to your own self right you can't relate to your own self so that's why i like mazo's hierarchy of needs <laughs> no problem Adia. needs and then he moves up the scale with safety now we can deal with a person having a sense of security employment resources morality the family health and property then we can deal with the third level, love and a belonging. And you know, starting out in our childhood and adolescence, we're looking for a place of belonging. This is why a lot of teens sometimes go through identity crisis because they're trying to find where they fit, where that group is, they belong with, you know, and if they don't find it, a lot of times they suffer with identity crisis and then they start living uh, what we call a, a subculture or join subculture groups. And I'm, I mean subculture because all subculture is not negative. It just could be contrary to the popular. They want to be embraced, yes. They will join groups that are considered outcast and, you know, just contrary and, 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 it, and it just become labeled with so many negative, but we understand why. So I just think it's so imperative that we remember, we go back to Jesus because he did it so well. He just that wonderful example for us. And then moving up to the fourth level, self-actualization. You can't self-actualize anything if you don't understand who you are, if you don't feel a sense of security, you know, and in God, we get that security. In God, we get that confidence. And a lot of times people ask me, where do you get the confidence? And I'm sorry, sometimes I don't have the answer you're looking for because my confidence really came from God and it came from the word of God. And you might not want to hear that and it might seem uh, common or whatever, but it is the truth. I found my identity in my my uh, confidence in God's word because it built me up. I found who I was. Then I understood my purpose. Then I understood my my call and the mandate that God put on me. And I'm, I'm trying to lead other people to do the same thing. You know, we have a father and he knows everything. He knows why he has fearfully, wonderfully made you. Hey, how are you? Thanks for joining in. Made you. He 
people often take as being religious and, and they mess. You know, I had a conversation about the word religious with somebody not too long ago, and what I had expresses that religion is not necessarily a bad thing. It's man that makes perverts religion. Religious is not a bad thing. Now, self-righteousness and maybe over-religious, that makes illegalism, that's something entirely different. So people say I'm religious because I practice the word because the word tells us how to live our life and be careful how we treat people and how we talk and staying away from things that are ungodly. If you want to call it religious, then call it religious. But it's truly just identifying with where you are, where you have come from. Amen. Where you have come from. Right. And that's it. So that's I can only give you my story. I'm sorry if it's not whatever else you want it to be or like what everybody's speaking something else now. A whole nother gospel, but we ain't going to touch that right now. <laughs> but, you know, so it comes from that. So just really reflecting on, like I said, James and, and, and just being reminded that you're trying to meet people's um, you try to help people, but if they don't meet that need, that's why a lot of times, <laughs> that's why a lot of times, even when I'm doing life coaching, it's hard not to get into the counseling part of it. And understand that coaching is just another approach of counseling. It's not mental health counseling, but it is a form of counseling. It's something that we learn when I went to school for social work and counseling. That's an approach because you will be incorporating life coaching principles when you work with people. You, I'm doing life skills all the time. I'm teaching clients how to organize, how to budget, how to plan to live a life, of, especially for a teenager who's, who's coming into adulthood now. They're 18 and 19. They no longer need uh, what we call intensive and home counseling. Now they need mental health support or life coaching skills. So now we're transitioning into helping you Prepare yourself to live independent and being, being self-sufficient. And so then there comes the life coaching again. It's still a form of counseling. But what I was going to say, it's hard to do life coaching with some clients when you identify that they have a deeper issue. And of course, professionally, if we're not licensed as mental health counselors or we're not, uh, we don't have that title or that, uh, you know the word I'm looking for. It was basically licensed in that area. Then we refer them to somebody else. However, because I do do that for a living, I'm a qualified mental health professional, then I have to decide which hat I'm going to put on. Do we need to transition to mental health counseling or do you need life coaching? Of course, that's the two. That's what we have to identify and assess when we work with people, whether it's in ministry, even as ministers, and realize, okay, you have a deeper issue and we need to refer you to the right individual who can really help you with those subjective issues. Because we can't do nothing else because the same problem that you're dealing with internally is going to affect everything else that you do. So if you're unorganized in your life, it's going to be hard for you to manage a business. It's going to be hard for you to manage a family correctly if you don't take care of those inner, those, if you don't deal with the root of the problem, if you don't deal with those needs, if you do not heal from those things, it is going to affect every area of your life all the way around. That's right. Every area of your life is going to be affected. So the smart thing to do is understand what is going on inside of me. What is happening? You know, and dealing with that and just taking it from there. So I really am passionate about doing this thing about communication because I'm forever teaching my clients communication skills. My, a lot of my intervention have to do with healthy communication within families, teaching families how to uh, speak respectfully to one another. You know, we ha I deal with those children who are very defiant sometimes and 
So I have to deal with family, then I'm dealing with helping the parent learn how to communicate with the child and really focusing on what is the goal here. Is, is the goal for you to be heard and have the last say? And are you so focused on a symptom that you're not addressing the issue? You're not addressing the it? And so if you never address the it, you're always going to have this problem. And it's hard sometimes for parents to get this. They want you to fix the child, but they have to be fixed first. Communication is key to every relationship. Familial, familial, uh, marital, courtship, all of that stuff. It's, it's cold, you know, working on your job, everything. And if you never really focus, it's not like, and it's not as if I'm perfect at communication, but I try to practice um, building relationships. And part of building healthy relationships is learning to communicate effectively. And so I practice communicating effectively with people and I listen to my own inner self. You know, sometimes, you know, like I said, we're not perfect. You may say something, then I examine myself. Now, why did I say that? What made me say that? And so I just think introspection is so great because you, you, you're not, you're being humble enough to say, okay, I need to examine my heart because that didn't come out right. You know, and, and sometimes I have talking with ministers, it has to be continual. I have talking even with ministers who say they struggle in the area because they have a lot of other things that they never dealt with. So when they speak to people or when they preach, sometimes it comes out harsh and they don't mean it to, but they realize there's something still there that I need to deal with. Because again, what is the goal? The goal is to communicate the gospel in that instance. So if you're trying to communicate the gospel and you have some unresolved issues, then you know you need to go and heal. You need to go to the potter <laughs> and stay on the wheel and let them keep working on you. It's okay. God uses broken people, but he don't want us to be that broken. He, when he says broken, he means the one who has a heart of contrition, a penitent person, a, a contrite heart, that you're humble, that you know that you need God and you're, you're not full of yourself. You're so contrite and humble that you will come to the Lord with your and say, God, I need you. I can't do it without you. I can't communicate without you. I can't do anything without you. That's a broken heart. Someone who's broken where they can be used, where they can be poured into. But when you're full of yourself, you can't. God can't do nothing with that because you know all and you, you, you can't learn anymore. Purges us of everything that's not like you. Amen. That's right. Knowing that you need to be purged from some things. It's all part of your growing. It's all part of the planting of the Lord. Amen. And it's all right. You know, there's no condemnation in Christ. Bring all of that. I often say, I said this before. And people ask me, you know, about prayer and talking to the Lord and, and feeling bad about questioning God and all. I'm like, why? He didn't say we couldn't question. Job questioned God. A lot of people, you need to know the why. Everybody's talking about the why now. You need to understand why you going through what you're going through, why you're battling or why you find yourself in these endless circles. So I'm like, look, catch a, ten catch a tension tantrum. Do it in the presence of God. Roll on the floor, yell, scream, kick. It's all right. He's a wonderful, loving father. He under You need to release all of that pain anyway. That's part of your healing process. Get it all out. <laughs> Come to the end of yourself and let God deal with the it. And be healed. Be ye healed. Amen. In the name of Jesus, be ye healed. God is big enough to absorb it all. Yes, he is. He can absorb it all. He said, take my yoke upon me and learn of me, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Take it upon. Bring it all to him. Cast your cares upon the Lord, for he careth for you. So that's that safety. 
talk, going back again to that place of safe and security, that's the security that we find in Christ. That's the security that we find in God. We can come and feel safe and feel his arms wrapped around us and we can cry on his shoulders and we can just lament all we want. I love that. And man, I haven't been to a good shut-in uh, service in a while. I'm ready to go to one now. We just laid out and just go before the Lord and just let it all out. Everything we battling with and we dealing with. And for me, I need somebody I can go to because if I'm every day I'm pouring out and pouring out. And I'm like, God, I always go to the God. Go to God, no problem. But He did create us to um, connect together and encourage each other. So sometimes it's hard for me to find that person of a uh, certain wisdom or just a certain touch that they have where I can go to them and, you know, like they say, a therapist needs a therapist. A counselor needs a counselor. A coach needs a coach. We need somebody we can go to as well. We constantly, I need somebody pouring to me sometimes. Uh, yeah, I go to the Word all the time, but we need that human contact. I go to the Lord all the time and God fills me up, but I need the human contact. Even God said it's not good for man to be alone. Adam couldn't talk to the animals. The animals couldn't talk back to him. He couldn't get no feedback. So he made a suitable and fit mate, which was a woman. So there's nothing wrong with that. I can admit that, Lord, who do I go to? I always go to the rock that is higher than I. I know all of that stuff. I do all of that. But it's, it feels so good to be able to go to someone and lay my head shoulders on and go, Oh, <laughs> no man is an island. I always say that. No man is an island. Amen. So, I hope you guys join me when I, I'm going to start my communication series probably just weekend. And I'm going to deal with stuff about effective communication and just giving some tools of what you can kind of incorporate when you're having a... a, a a talk with somebody when you having a con when you conversing with someone and even when you get ready to deal with conflict and you getting ready you want to enter into a conversation with someone but you want it to be peace right and so just giving you the tools that that's very helpful when it comes to that and one of the things I like to use that we use in counseling all the time is preparatory empathy and this is really understanding how that client is feeling when they know they have to come to you and we need it, right? We, I need it. <laughs> I need to be reminded all the time. Understanding, putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. Amen. Sharpen our communication. That's like my long, my life's goal is to sharpen my communication and to pursue peace above all things. <laughs> Amen. Um, preparatory empathy deals with understanding a person or being sensitive to what a person may be feeling like. Anticipating their thoughts and their feelings before they even meet with you. And so... When you have that, take on that mentality, then it puts you in a place of being humble and more compassionate towards others. You become sensitive to somebody else's. Your empathy is having, being able to put on, looking through, looking at life through somebody else's lens. Even though you may not agree or understand, but you can, well, understanding is at least just having a knowledge of what they have been through and why they see things the way they see them. And if you can at least have that kind of understanding, that is the beginning of healthy communication right then and there. Like, wow, I don't understand it. I've never been through it, but I'm going to put myself in my clients or my spouses or my um, loved one's shoes just to try to hear. And again, when you approach 
a situation that way, you open up yourself to understanding. You're listening. And understanding part of good communication is being a good listener. And a good listener, you have to get out all of those voices in your own head, having a, already having a judgment or a... Your own opinion about a person before you even get into uh, communication with that individual. So you have to move all of that out of the way first so you can really listen to what a person is saying. There's a communicator is the one who's giving it the messenger and the one who is listening. And so a messenger has to be willing to hear what the other person is saying. So that's just such a part of um, a great part of communicating with somebody being able to hear them and it, and another thing that interrupts our communication is when we're already formulating our comeback already thinking about how I'm going to respond to this individual when you do that you don't hear the other person's what they're expressing to you because your focus on you you like you're waiting for them to finish so you can get ready to say what you gotta say and get this off your chest. That is poor communication. And what it says to the other individual is what they saying to you is not valid. You do not respect what they say to you, and you don't feel it's valid, and you don't see any value in it. That is what you're saying. <laughs> that is exactly what you are saying to that individual. That's how they're perceiving it. Even if you don't mean to be that way, because a lot of times we do stuff ignorantly. And so, you know, that's why now it's so great to get the wisdom and the knowledge and say, okay, well, let me approach this a different way. Again, I always ask when I do family sessions, what is your goal, family? Is your goal to interject and interrupt everybody? Or is the goal to bring a level of cohesion and understanding and love and unity in the family? Because if everybody is not focused on meeting the same goal, then it's like, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time having a session. So, yes, laying out the rules. One of the rules I usually say is that we are going to respect everybody when they talk. And, you know, because it's a group session at this point. I got my clients or clients and the people that's in their lives. And so now I'm making sure everybody gets the same amount of appreciation and that no one becomes the scapegoat. Because what happens a lot of times in groups People tend to project and dump a lot of stuff on a, maybe a particular individual, not dealing with their own it, again, their own stuff. And so that person becomes a scapegoat for everybody else's issues and sins. And all of a sudden, it's that person's fault. They did it. If she wouldn't have did this. Well, how did you contribute to the dysfunction? Is this something that you could have did better or could have handled better? And so they want to they look at that because it hurts. And it does hurt. Counseling, even sometimes in coaching or just in relationships, it does hurt dealing with the it. <laughs> but when you come to a place where you want it, you're tired of that it controlling your life and consuming you, where you find yourself in just always in bad situations or dysfunction, you get tired of that. You got to say, you know what, I'm tired of this consuming me. I want to deal with, I need to deal with this problem. Awesome. That's an awesome place to be. So, and so this is what, this is what I do when I come into like group settings or do family sessions. And so, and I also ask the um, clients, if you want to lay down some rules, you know, you it's always good to make people feel that they're part of, because they are part of their own process. Again, the, the myth can't be the counselor has come to fix everybody. No, no, no. I came to suggest some things. I come to give recommendations. I may provide you with some tools, <laughs> with some knowledge, some wisdom. But you have to apply it, and then once you do that again, then you will become empowered, and you will see the changes. So it's not about that. Sometimes me being a counselor is just listening to what you guys are saying. 
I told my client today because something came to her while we were talking and I said, you know what? A lot of times it's when you have the person to vent to, answers start to come. So it's not that I'm always going to give you the answer. If we don't look at it as I'm the expert and you don't know. No, 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 no. Normally, I tell my clients that you give me the information I need to help you. You inform me, and then now I know how can I can proceed with helping you, how we can move forward, what goals we need to focus on. So I need you to share and talk. But a lot of times I let them know you, the answer will come just by just because you have a safe place to empty out yourself. We have to work on ourselves continually every day. Yes, we do. Every day. And um, answers will come in the midst of you venting and communicating. I said, see, it's not about me. You coming to me and expecting me to have an answer all the time. You, so We learn from our clients, amen? You help me like to deal with the next client who may have the same issue you have. So you're empowering me as well. This is a relationship. Even a counselor, client coaching, client relationship is a relationship. We learn from each other. You help me to help somebody else that's dealing with a similar issue. Like, wow, okay, this worked with Sue. Let me try it with Mary, <laughs> you know? And that's what life is, continually learning and growing learning and growing so but yes so good going back to preaching to the end i just love it i had a wonderful teacher i had did two classes when i was in new york at my church and the, the class was called because we had a um uh what was it called the bible institute and the class i wanted to join was the art of preaching and i did part one and part two and i had a wonderful teacher by the name of alfonso wyatt and so one, I remember one time we were sitting in class around in, the, in a semicircle, and he drew a man in a pit on the, the blackboard. I was like, okay. So this person was kind of stuck in a, basically in the pit. And so we all had to get up and take turns to minister to try to get, he called it Tony in the pit. So we had to all take turns to try to minister where Tony can come out of the pit. And so what he talked about in that class was preaching to the it's. And I guess some people call that psychological preaching, dealing with, because Jesus did it all the time. He preached to every area of our life, but he had to deal and go beyond, you know, and this is now dealing in the area, operating in the area of being, being discerning again and, and being, um, going beyond what somebody is telling you. You know, that's why I said, it's, it's psych, psychology and counseling is so close to the word of word of, the way the word of God affect our lives is so similar. And it's really going beyond what a client is telling me while they're sitting there. They're telling you one thing, but you see something past that. You know, of course, we train a little bit to kind of, and some of us are like this naturally. So a lot of these skills I already kind of had before I went to school, but I, it just was perfected when I went to school where you become more in tune with other people. And even in ministry, learning to become more in tune and in listening for the Spirit of God to give you wisdom and give you revelation and give you knowledge of, of how to proceed even with this person, how to minister to people's it's. Because at the end of the day, again, you can preach all over the place and talk about everything else, but if you don't know your audience, if you don't know what your client is dealing with, if you don't know what the congregation is dealing with, everything you say is gonna go over their head. Right now, I'm hungry, me and my kids are living in a shelter. I don't hear nothing about the prosperity message right now. <laughs> it might help them depending on where the prosperity message is going. If you're giving them tools to pull themselves out of that pit and out of that situation, that's different. But if you're preaching to people like they're all millionaires sitting in front of you, that word is going to go over the person who's living in a shelter. Right now, they need a short-term goal. How can I 
get myself out of this situation right now? What can I do to empower myself to start going up the ladder of progression, progression, progressing? And so you got to deal with that situation. So we have to take turns to get up and minister to Tony in the pit. I was like, oh, Lord, my girlfriend was next to me. And she was like, right now I'm in my own pit. I ain't talking to Tony right now. So she was just being honest. And so when it was my turn, I was like, all right. So I went to the board. I said, all right, Tony, I know you have heard so many messages. <laughs> and people have came to you with the word. And it might have sound preachy or whatever. Even though we need that sometimes, whether we want to admit it or not. Sometimes it's a, there's a time to preach. There's a time to teach. There's a time to just, let me just give it to you straight. Because that's what's going to snatch you out of the fire. Your notifications are on, Cheryl. They are, right? I forgot to turn them off, I think. Let me see something. If I can turn them off while I'm on here. And if I can't, I'm going to leave it alone. Okay. I turned it off. Turned it off. All notifications. No interruptions. So, when it was my turn to go, and I, and I, got, I went through all of that, and I said, I know many people already come to you, and telling you what the word of God says and all of that and even though it is that word that's really going to save your soul and kind of get you out of the pit well I did again when I talked about preparatory empathy already thought about see in that instance how Tony may have felt already being in the pit I'm already thinking now let me be sensitive to Tony and let me understand that many people have tried to get him out of that pit what approach can I use to get Tony out this pit so I just started preaching to the it I started identifying with where he is because I was able to do that. I kind of, and a lot of times we have to be careful with the information we give people because we understand that everybody's not ready to hear your stuff, your trauma, because it may cause more trauma on top of their trauma, and that's just too much stuff to handle. So we have to use wisdom again. The Bible tells us a soul winner is wise. You have to be harmless as a dove and wise as a serpent. So all of that in mind. When I went to the blackboard and talked to the little stick figure that was in the pit, I had to think about a way or maybe a scenario I can present to him that would make him get his attention. And so I started talking about similar things I went through and the struggle and how he must be feeling and the thoughts that's probably coming across his mind and getting tired of this and that. And nobody is, again, going back to Maslow's hierarchic needs. Nobody's meeting my need. Maybe he needs counseling. Maybe he needs food. Maybe he needs uh, to be directed or, or referred to some community resource that can really help him. You, you got to understand what he, I had to understand what he needs. So when you start to deal with the person's in, in needs, now you get their attention because now it's like, okay, maybe you can help me. You're saying something that maybe can help my situation again. And so... The teacher had it where it's like Tony was starting to come out of the pit now. I'm like, okay, okay, he's lifting his head. He's coming out of the pit now. So, you know, so, and then you kind of read that and say, okay, we're going to stay right here. We're going to stay right here. Again, meeting the person where they are. Deal with the root, yes. And meeting a person where they are. Don't try to bring them to where you are. It didn't take you overnight. You're not, you're not an overnight wonder, even though some of us like to think we are. Because sometimes we forget our own journey. We forget how God digged us out of our own pit and situations and, and tribulations and vicissitudes of life. And sometimes we have to be reminded. You know, I like how God reminded Job after all he went through. And Job had a right to feel the way that he do. That's another thing that I always let my clients know is that your feelings are valid. Whether they make sense, whether they're rational, reasonable, 
whatever, because some of my clients deal with mental um, deficits. And so sometimes they may be a little, you know, people can be delusional, they can, whatever. But still, if this is the way they feel, this is the way they feel. This is supposed to be tea with Jesus and my tea is getting cold. <laughs> this is the way they feel. So I validate their feelings. This is how you feel. Not ignoring what they feel. And you have to deal with that again. So anyway, Tony's coming out of the pit. And so just staying where people are. Going to where they are. Not trying to bring them up to where you are. Where you think you are. And working with them step by step. Even the Lord deals with us like that. You know, we are different levels. Even in the body of Christ, people come to Christ different times in their life. So you have to be mindful of that. And you have to be sensitive to that as well if you really want to be effective. If, again, if your goal is to help, it is to deposit, it is to pour, it is to help others come to a place of healing, then you have to go where they are and meet them at that point of need and then take it from there. And I think we miss it sometimes because we get so anxious. And then, like I said, God had to remind Job. He said, where was you? When I laid the foundations, where was you when I put the sun and the moon in the sky and remind him that he had the power to do all of that? And what I love about that story, Job, that when Job asked God the questions, Job never answered Job, but he responded to Job. So sometimes we don't get the answer that we want, but we got to respond to us in a certain way. So he just went into all of that. He had to remind him of who he is and what he had done. <laughs> Shut that down. Calm all anxiety down. I am God. I am able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all you can even ask or even think that you can even imagine and remind he have to remind us a lot of times of who he is and that he's all powerful and that he is omniscient and that he is omnipresent. Amen. All of that. Omnipotent. And so when we get that, again, we find that place of safety again. Okay. I feel safe. I feel secure now. Once you meet a person's basic needs again and they feel that safe and security, it, it boosts their confidence. And then now they can start thinking about prospering in other areas. And even and that's even prospering. Moving, coming out of a pit, and now you maybe in a room somewhere. Maybe now you're in a shelter. Maybe now you're in a room. That's all progress. I've been there. I've been there. I've been in a transitional home. I know what it feels like to lose my place of security and, and, and residents and having to move in a transitional home with my daughter. As bad as it felt, because of my faith in God at that time, thank God I was already rooted and grounded in Christ and knowing that it was a temporary place. I had that to look forward to and knowing that this is just a temporal situation and it's not always and that there was a big peak, but everybody's not there again. So I have to understand that not everybody is there mentally or spiritually and remembering that. So anyway... I didn't meant to go on this long <laughs> and become long-winded, but I hope that I um, added some value and that this was very helpful in just looking at being more sensitive. At the end of the day, I just want to focus on being sensitive to other people, being more empathic, you know, with other people, able to, you know, have operate in a high EQ. That's in emotional intelligence. Learning how to be sensitive to other people's needs and situations and becoming more effective when you deal with other people, whatever you do. Yes, this is really good and insightful. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Um, because I, I have a passion for people. I love people. And, and my heart just hurts sometimes. I just become a natural. And let me tell you what happened real quick before I give the scope today. <laughs> today, I went into a store. I went into, it was a thrift store, actually, with somebody. 
And so we was walking around and everything. And this woman had her kids in the store. And while she was shopping and looking at clothes, her two kids was pulling down all the toys off the shelf. So the natural advocate in, advocate in me, I started getting angry. I started feeling some rising anger, right? <laughs> and rising anxiety. I'm like, okay, see, God, this ain't right. Because, you know, because I'm sensitive to other people, and now I'm like, I'm, I'm start, now I'm feeling, I'm sorry for the clerk. The young lady who's working, a young girl's working at the shop. She's trying to organize the shelves clearly, and this woman is not even looking at her kids. So I'm standing there like, okay, Lord, I'm going to have the situation because you know me. I want to say something that's not right. And then she got to go behind her, this woman's kids, and clean up the store. You're giving her more work to do. So, you know, I started talking a little loud, just a little bit, and I was saying, this is not right. I said, this woman is trying to keep her section of the store clean, and then she's, now she has more work to do, right? Um, the woman hurt me a little bit. I don't think she heard everything that I said. I just wanted her to get the hint, like, to watch your kids. They messing up. They got toys all over the floor. They got toys on the sofa. It was a whole living room set that they were selling in the store. They had toys all over the place. And so the young lady did speak up. She was assertive, and she said, Miss, she said, um, you have to have your kids clean up. They're putting toys all over the place. She said one or two words and went right on back to another aisle on the, near the other, closer to the other side of the store to go shopping for some clothes. And her kids, is, they climbing up on the shelves. Now I'm getting a little heated. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> and they're climbing on the shelves, pulling down the toys. So what I decided to do was help the young lady. I was, I was trying to give the mother a hint. Sometimes I'll just go directly. It depends. You got to be led and be careful because, you know. And the woman did speak another language as well. She might have knew English. I didn't want to assume that she did. Anyway, so I just started picking up the toys with the worker. I said, here you go. I said, you know, I know you're doing all this work. And then they create more work for you. And she said, thank you so much. So mom saw me cleaning up. And then she decided then to speak to her kids more about stop. Whatever she said, she spoke in Spanish not to do this. And then she got on the kids more. So that's how I dealt with that situation. She had to get those clothes. <laughs> she did. She was focused on getting her clothes, whatever she came to get. But that irks me. Oh, my friends know me. And when, when it comes to children, oh, my gosh. I was sitting there. I was like, no, I was standing there. I was like, oh, my God. Okay, Lord, what, what to do? And the person that was with me, she was just laughing. I said, this, you don't understand how this bothers me. I'm feeling bad for the, the woman who works here. She want to go home at 5 or 7 o'clock, not stay here picking up someone's toys because some, a mother is not watching, looking after her kids. The whole thing was just it was just funny. But anyway, I just wanted to share that you guys have a good evening. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for the hearts. Thank you for your responses. I wanted some company in here, and I got some. So I'm going to share this on my YouTube channel, GetWhiteLifeBack.com is my website. If you want to know more about me, for those of you who don't know me and you're new to this, to my scopes. And um, I'm going to put it on my YouTube channel. Bless you. It was awesome. Praise God. Your YouTube channel is also Get Your Life Back Inspirational Life Coaching. And my website is GetYLifeBack.com. And I am an inspirational and empowerment specialist, and which is an inspirational coach. And this is what I do. So I do this daily for a particular um, company that I'm working for. You know how we have contracted. So I work with like three to four clients and their families as well um, daily. And um, we have to meet a couple of hours a week. So I'm constantly practicing all of this. And that's, that's the wonderful thing, being able to, and that's a whole nother scope, translating whatever skills you have into the purpose that God has for you. He literally sets you up. I did a, a video earlier. I didn't do it on Periscope. I did it on my phone. 
about positioning yourself for the opportunities, but I'm not gonna go into that now because I'll go into a whole another hour. But thank you guys for tuning in. Oh, you know what I forgot to mention? Oh man, I'm thinking about it now. You guys probably about to go off. I just want to show this quick picture. When I was talking about preaching to the it, the subjective, the underlying things, this is one of the pictures that we always use. I'm trying to get my computer went um, off for a moment. Oh, let me put my password back in. I think it's powerful. I think it's so powerful, this picture. It kind of gives you an understanding of what we're dealing with. And we show parents this picture. Let me... This is the picture sometimes that we show parents when we're working with their children or when we're working with individuals. All that stuff underneath, we don't see that. We see the top. We see the symptoms. We focus on the symptoms. We don't focus on the it. We don't focus, as some of you have said, on the root. This is the root of the issues. If you don't deal with the it, you can't change the symptoms. And that's what we focus on a lot. When you deal with this, then this will start to change. That is, there's an eruption. There's things going on under, inside of an individual. And so these are the things that we have to deal with, even within our own selves, as we have said, learning how to deal with, help our own selves. And when we can deal with that and understand why we do communicate the, why, the way we do. Why do I get easily angered when somebody is just, what they're doing is just being direct with me, but I may not be used to direct communication. Maybe I'm used to being dealt with softly and, and I don't have really good social skills. So I, I perceive or confuse direct communication with someone being aggressive or angry. And it's not that. It's like a person who has a lack of confidence. When a person has walked in a lot of um, low self-esteem and insecurity, when they encounter a confident person, they may automatically perceive that person as being mean or arrogant or conceited. No, it's not that, baby. What it is is that they're confident, they know who they are, but because you're not aware of who you are, you perceive them to be that way when really they're just a confident person. It is in the form of an explosion, yes. It can be anger, it can be a lot of turmoil, it can be trauma, and that's why I call it trauma focus for me, trauma-focused ministry. That word came to me today, not spiritual word, not none deep. I'm just saying when I was um, reflecting on this earlier that I wanted to share, because, we, you know, we do trauma-focused, I do trauma-focused therapy, trauma-focused counseling. But I say, you know what, we need to be, be more trauma-focused in ministry. Again, going back to Jesus and everything I said in the beginning, dealing with all of that stuff and I just think it's so wonderful and we can go back to that I believe we all can be effective in everything that we do especially those we deal with people every day but some of us have a people oriented job where we're always in a place of helping and pouring out so I just wanted to I didn't want to forget that it just came like ah, I forgot to mention that illustration okay guys thanks for tuning in and I will speak with you soon have a wonderful evening God bless